0: Hello and welcome to Nolan, Me, Nolan, You, a limited series podcast that celebrates the work of writer and director Christopher Nolan. I'm your host, Emily Murray, and today I'm joined by film journalist Scott Davis for the last episode of the series as we reflect on the learnings of the podcast and compare our rankings of Nolan's films. This is only part one of the episode, so stay tuned for the second half next week. Hello, Scott, and welcome to Nolan, Me, Nolan, You. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, Emily. How are you?
0: I am good. I am good. It's been a good day, and I'm ready to. It's our last episode of the series. I don't, I'm gonna. Say, I am got i I'm not saying off. knowing me, only you, because whenever Chris Nolan you know does his next film, I might come back with a, uh, you know, a vengeance. But um, it's the last episode of the series, so it's um, a good one to go out on. I hope it's up to you to make sure we go out with a bang basically
1: yeah no pressure no <laughs> pressure although you might maybe down the line you'll get like a bonus episode where you'll actually have christopher nolan on your podcast that's that's to dream i've been trying <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> you <laughs> gotta, day. maybe you got to start lower like speak to his wife first or something and then uh, uh, emma thomas up.
0: would also be great to be fair <laughs> um you just want to tell the audience a bit about yourself and
1: what you do sure I am Scott Davis. I am a film critic. Uh, You'll find me mostly at Hey You Guys, uh, one of the UK's leading independent film websites where I do lots of junkets. I am the red carpet person for them, although very sadly, single tier. I haven't done one of those for a while because (laughs) the world is going a bit mad. Um, But apart from that, I've done lots of written, wrote, bad English, written for many different sites uh, for Emily's lovely Zavi website. For a few pieces thank you uh also digital spy yahoo movies uh cine world people's movies a few other places in between and uh yeah I, I go on and on about films but my main thing is to interview celebrities which i love to do
0: yes and you're very good at it too oh
1: you know, nice. <laughs> nice don't <laughs> let, um, don't let Stefan hear you. <laughs> <laughs> i won't i won't but Stefan. he's
0: also great um <laughs> I just want to ask a bit about what was the first Christopher Nolan film that I suppose you remember seeing and what's sort of your very quickly and briefly like overall opinion of him as a director?
1: The first film of his I saw was Memento. Uh, I used to work in a local library and I had an amazing archive of um, films. So they had, they were one of the few people I I could find who had a copy of Following on VHS, but I'd saw Memento Mm. first. Um, I think I was drawn to it, not because of him. Obviously, I didn't know too much about him. But I was drawn because it was yeah. uh, it was Guy Pearce and obviously Carrie-Anne Moss, Joe Pantoliano, who did The Matrix, were in The Matrix. So mm. those people lured me to that film. And then seeing him pull off this incredible trick of turning a story forwards, backwards, up and down that he's done a few more times since was pretty <laughs> incredible. And then lured into um i got a cinema world card around the same time with my friends we used to go twice three times a week you know every other night we used to go to see some films all the weekend and we saw insomnia because we were so mm. taken as most people were by robin williams doing something a little bit different which we thought was really interesting so that into that and then of course he took on the job of directing <laughs> the new batman movie and batman is one of my favorite things in the whole world so that piqued our interest and um the the rest is history. I, I, the Batman lure would have lured me into him anyway, but uh, yeah. because it was Batman and because we were so excited and because he'd cast Christian Bale, who me and my friends absolutely loved from American Psycho, that mm. it felt, as you've talked about on your podcast, it felt, felt very different and it wasn't just going to be Christopher Nolan doing a Batman movie like the ones that had come before with nipples and cod pieces, <laughs> So uh So those things. But I, I, I think the thing I love about him as a filmmaker is that he makes the film. He wants us to, he always likes the audience to feel as smart as he is. He, he thinks we're as smart as he is. He isn't afraid to take us on a journey that some filmmakers or, or uh, particularly some studios would, would probably go, no, nope, you can't make that kind of movie because no one's going to go and see it. And he's proved otherwise. And uh, yeah, his, his obsession with sort of time and, and humanity and the, the emotional kind of complexities of his characters, you know, their ambiguities and their obsessive nature and, all that kind of stuff just me into everything mm. everything about him he's just brilliant and he's managed to make very much similar to say spielberg big movies that have big ideas and big narratives and big sort of uh big uh yeah big ideas that that you wouldn't normally find in a blockbuster he isn't afraid to you know he makes something like inception that's this big thing you know lots of action lots of excitement going on and then it's all this stuff about you know the, the the about time and about you know the loneliness that comes from death and and mm. dreams within dreams and all this weird stuff that no one else probably could pull off so he's unique in that way and i think there's 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 so much more to come to him but then he can go and make something like dunkirk which we'll probably come to in a minute where yeah he uh he can do he can do no wrong in my book i think he's the most exciting filmmaker outside of of this generation, outside of mm. you know, he's a very particular filmmaker. You know, he hasn't he hasn't made the kind of movies that say another filmmaker like David Fincher has made or Paul Thomas Anderson. He's a very different filmmaker to them. But what he does, I think he's incredible at, and I think he is he is an, a, a unique filmmaker in that way. And uh, long may long may it continue.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm already excited to see what he does next in a few years, I suppose i mean god knows what's going to happen to the film industry after covid but i agree with you i think like no i tell obviously he's my favorite director hence this podcast but it's quite he's a good director to make a podcast about as well because mm. he is so individual and so exciting and yeah it just make even though his movies they do have like tropes and trademarks mm. and similar themes like as you say like he goes and just dunkirk uh which is very different to interstellar like it is yeah, so varied. Um, so I thought for the last episode of the series, I thought we would um, kind of reflect on his filmography and do our personal rankings of uh, Nolan's best films from worst, if there's such a thing in Nolan's world, <laughs> uh, to to best. Um, I was actually asked to do this a, a article about a ranking for Yahoo and I was said to the editor, I was like, I've never done one before because it's incredibly hard as... Like i'm a fangirl <laughs> do you know what i mean so it's like trying to pick if i had kids okay i don't have kids like cats then it's like picking my favorite cat <laughs> um yeah, you can't, it's do so it. personal. It's can't do it but i did it <laughs> so i must clarify that this is um my ranking i don't know what we'll go into yours in a minute but it's like my opinion of what his best films are like people who listen to this podcast know that my personal favorite film of all time is a dark knight but this is I think in terms of like the quality of the movies, in terms of it ranking the best rather than my personal favorites although that will come into play as well so i thought shall we start with number 11 um i want to know what your number 11 verse is
1: before we go into mine okay so people are probably going to be very cynical about my choice but my number 11 is following uh mm. because only because it's his first movie, no disrespect to it, but he's done so much since that it's it, it, it almost is a movie unto itself. You know, it's a very small budget. It is the sort of movie that I would love him to make now, like a small budget, you know, a smaller movie that's not full of, you know, 250 million dollars worth of things <laughs> yeah. um and i think it's a it's a fantastic film and again it, it deals with some amazing sort of uh, themes and narratives and the way he made it and on the budget they did and everything else i think is it's still an incredible movie and a great uh example of his work but i just think because it's so different to everything else that he's done that's why it was on my number 11 um Again, it's no. This is as you said. It's no. <laughs> we're not talking about his worst film. It's not like we're talking about another director. And they go, well, clearly, you know, Batman and Robin is Joel Schumacher's worst film. That's it's just it's just obvious. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. I had that as number eleven. Um, not because it's not a good film, because it's a great film. Uh, I just I just thought with everything else he's done, and because of my love of his stuff since, obviously, the movies that we've already mentioned and everything since. Uh, it's just it's just a film unto itself i think that's why i've put it at the number 11 spot which isn't the bottom it's just we'll just say it's number 11 uh (laughs) so i've gone for that as number 11.
0: Uh, i too have gone with following um i'm completely with you it's it's not a bad film i think it's a really solid four star movie Mm. i'd actually say that this is only four star film the rest of five star films but again i'm a big fan girl so (laughs) you know um i think i actually hadn't seen following until i did this podcast um a it's very hard to track down yep in the uk uh so it took me a while to find a copy on ebay um and it is like as you mentioned it's cobbled together it you're straight at university as you mentioned the budget six thousand dollars which is nothing on comp- imagine that compared to the scale that he's working on now I don't even know what the budget for Tenet was because I don't want to think about it. That's probably his uh,
1: his like tea tea bag budget on <laughs> on, in, on Tenet, isn't it? Six thousand yeah. dollars or something.
0: Yeah, but I think it's so clever. Um It's got all his trademarks, all his tropes. So it's I found following really interesting because I enjoyed it as a story and the characters, and it's, it's a really enthralling neo noir thriller. Mm. But my boyfriend called it a, an historical document in a sense. that it's really interesting to have seen. All of Nolan's work since *Following*, I then return to *Following* and kind of look at like how he started out mm. because it's very clear from that movie, his, a his fascination with crime, morality and time, but also like his style. Yeah. Um. So I think it's like it works well on two different levels in that respect then. Um. But as you said, it's not a bad film. It's a very good film. It's it's that's why I don't want to call it the bottom. Either it is the bottom. It's just number eleven. It's definitely well worth seeking out i'd recommend it to anyone who's not actually seen seen it yet
1: absolutely yeah it's uh because i think he shot it on it's on it's black and white film Is it? Black it's like white. 16 yeah. millimeter i think and that adds another his, his his artistry with with film is is second to none i think this is a, a great example of him using you know using what was available to him on the budget he had and, and turning it into something so incredible as, yeah. as as following and obviously you know there's there's bits as you say there's tropes and things in that movie that have gone through his whole career so yeah I like the historical document uh, uh, it's
0: a good analogy think, isn't the, it?
1: an analogy that your boyfriend said I think that's that's yeah. quite a good idea it's <laughs> like oh yeah it's like finding a fossil or something it's like oh that's the first dinosaur <laughs> or something yeah but, uh, but I like yeah. following I think it's a good film yeah I
0: think it's great I think uh, it's good but it's just it's just his mates as well yeah. like his uncle is in it uh, I think his name is John Nolan who's actually pops up in like all his movies but it's just like I mean, obviously his girlfriend at a time, like now wife, Emma Thomas, like just people he met, you need, know, it just decided to make this film. Um, so yeah, it's, it's. I think I'd recommend people watch it and it's, it's not the bottom of the list, but it is still fantastic. So let's do your number 10.
1: Uh, number 10, I think is quite, quite funny because number 10 is Tenet.
0: Oh, okay. So the most recent. The most recent
1: uh... one of his. Yeah, yeah. I, that wasn't just a, a funny thing of 10, 10, Tenet. 10, number 10, etc. cetera. 10 There's backwards. team 10s going on there, yeah. A little palindrome <laughs> thing or whatever. Um, yes, I put that number 10 only because I've only seen it once and obviously right. I've seen the others uh, a lot. And the reason I I, I haven't sort of upgraded my, um, my rating and my thoughts on it is because I need to see it a second time to really understand what the hell was going on in many, <laughs> many places. I thought it was a fantastic movie. It really is a, a, another tour de force and what he tries to do which is again it makes him so unique is is you know do a time travel movie that's not a time travel movie that's also a, bond. a time inversion yeah that's also yeah. a thriller that's also a, a story about again about humanity about time about family um about the kind of the, you know the more ambiguity of the people that are in his stories and everything else and uh yeah it's it, i mean it's a fantastic movie I mean there's some sequences in there that just just blow your mind even more so than anything that's mm. gone before and obviously it's on IMAX and I love that he shot it on film as well I loved seeing it at the IMAX because we saw it that we were at the same screening weren't we we were yes I um, hello from uh, a social from, from a socially distance <laughs> from a very social distance yes um and love that it was on film and you can see all the little grains falling down the screen I love that. I thought that was that was it's incredible all that stuff and uh yeah I just I just felt that because I was slightly confused by it. i understood what was going on but not the kind of inner work the proper inner workings of what was going on I've, yeah. I've watched a few youtube videos since but nothing really beats going to see it and just analyzing it and also doing the job that we do we tend to have our critic hat on for the first showing of seeing something like that don't we we tend to just be like yeah. i need to review it i need to make sure I yeah got you thinking about
0: ahead what you're going to say exactly yeah, yeah. so uh,
1: the only reason i've had it at 10 is because essentially I need to see it again. I'm sure it will jump up. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm positive. It will jump up how far. I'm not too sure, but it's still yeah. an incredible achievement. Um, just think it's something that I've, I've, I've been desperate to go and see again And until I do. I don't think I can rate it in the same, uh, way as all of the others. Cause I've seen a lot of the movies a few more times, but as a, as a, you know, as, a, <laughs> as a movie, that's going to save, well, <laughs> save cinema or whatever it is people talking about, which, you know, uh, is neither here or there but i think it's an incredible incredible movie and there's some stuff in it that's that's you know more crazy but also more daring than anything he's done before so i look forward to seeing it again but uh yeah, yeah. It, is, it is at my number 10 at the moment
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see like where you place it after a second time yes I think. absolutely um maybe also it's partly because as you mentioned earlier because you've seen it once you might not have like as much affection for it mm. because you haven't seen it as many times yeah, of course. like obviously uh, my 10 is different. It's not Tenet. It's uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Oh. Um, which I loved. I loved The Dark Knight Rises. It is a five star movie. Um, the reason it's number 10 though is I do think it is a bit messy. Mm. Um, Storytelling wise, It's I feel that it's a bit uncertain at times. I think Christopher Nolan, we discussed it on The Dark Knight Rises episode, um, didn't want to make a third movie, especially after Heath Ledger's passing. And I can tell, I can tell that he wasn't, like... It doesn't feel like he's 100% committed to the film. Um, but despite that, like, the opening scene of Bane on the plane, bloody hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember... Uh, <laughs> it was my first ever IMAX experience. I went to see Mission Passport Ghost Protocol because they had the uh, prologue attached mm-hmm. for Dark Light Rises. And I was like, this is, like... My first IMAX experience with stars." and that scene, just, wow... Um, and I think also I do think I've got a lot of affection for *Dawnlight Rises* because it is a conclusion of my favorite film trilogy. But also, like I remember, like they didn't have midnight screenings. I remember getting up like ridiculously early in the morning to travel to Manchester with my dad. They had, like a Batman shirt on, and like the guy at the uh, Manchester Printwork Printworks IMAX like, did like a little quiz, like a Batman quiz, <laughs> and a countdown. and It felt like a real um, community experience as well, which I also think. I, like when I think of Sonic Rises, I think of that really positive experience, hence why I think I like it more than other people do. But I love Bane and have a way of Selina Kyle, she's just so alluring and like a really different take, I think, on the character compared to other versions. I'm actually speaking of that, I'm actually really interested to see Zoe Kravitz as Selena Catwoman in the Batman. Mm. But I think, I think Nolan had the difficult task of The Dark Knight was such a hit. How on earth does he top that? And I don't think he did top it, but I think he was like, right, I'm going to go all out. And it is a towering watch. It's just so, everything about it feels big mm. and epic. And personally, I really enjoy it. But I say it's number 10 because it's a bit messy. I don't think I quite understand the politics. I don't think the film itself understands either the nuances of the politics. Um, don't I think Bane is a good villain but I don't think he's as good compared to like the Joker or even far as in the first film Ra's Ghoul. um but yeah great movie but yeah it's uh, it's number 10 for me
1: number 10 so, well what, what, number that's, ten that's still to come in my list so we'll see where it comes but uh we will yeah I'll 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 give you my my uh thoughts. yes on we'll hold when when we get there but uh it's very interesting <laughs> to to hear what you have to say about it
0: yeah, so number nine, uh, what's that number nine for you, Scott?
1: Uh, number nine is The Dark Knight Rises. There we go.
0: Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's Look what I that. didn't want
1: to talk about. It. I could have just carried on talking, to be honest. But uh, yeah, number nine is The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> now, I love The Dark Knight Rises. I th- I'm the same as you. I think it is an incredible movie. And given... The, 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 his problem was always going to be that how do you top The Dark Knight? How do you how do... You do well, yeah. How do you do a... Th- you know, I, how do you top a movie that's so that took so many risks as it did and became so successful as it did and became so iconic as it did and then is then steeped in this this tragedy that's you know while that happened a lot of time before the movie came out it's obviously very hard to detach it because Heath Ledger is the best thing in the movie by by you know it's, it's it's a performance that is beyond kind of it's 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 modern iconography, isn't it? You can't go anywhere without thinking about Heath Ledger as the Joker. You know, even in Joaquin, you know, Joaquin Phoenix played the Joker very differently in the other one, you can't help but think about Heath Ledger. And it's one of those performances that's just, it It, it sounds like a whole other strange thing to say, but it's never going to die. Like it's going to just yeah, reverberate through mean. the generations beyond us and everything else. It's just going to stand the test of time in such an amazing way, as with, the, as with the film. But with The Dark Knight Rises, he. I love the fact that he changed genres again. He went to a disaster movie, and yeah. I think that's so that was so refreshing because you could, you know, with the Dark Knight, which we'll come on to obviously because it's probably quite high up on our list. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. um, that he changed spoilers. genres. <laughs> no, no spoilers. Um, that in those days, this is before the MCU. See, Iron Man was in 2008, the same year as the Dark Knight. So was it in its of course? It was, yeah. That you would still be in a superhero arena when you make a sequel, it's like, right, well, we need to make the sequel bigger. It needs to be bigger. It needs to be better. It needs to be this. It needs to be this. Whereas Nolan was like, I don't necessarily need to do, I want to do those things, but I'm not going to do it how you think I'm going to do it. I'm going to change the genres. I'm going to change everything, but keep it in a Batman world. And they let him go and do it. And the, the results are incredible. But with The Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises, I felt like the same as you, that he obviously wanted to finish the trilogy, but he kind of also didn't want to in this... Strength. Yeah and obviously not just that. Inception was such a huge success a couple of years before that he obviously wanted to make movies that weren't Batman anymore. He pretty much said what he wanted mm. to say, but he found a way to to do it. Um yeah, I think uh it's not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination, but the more I've seen it over the years, the more I can see its flaws there's a lot of flaws in the movie there's a lot of inconsistencies a lot of uh (laughs) there's a lot of things that you just go yeah that doesn't really quite work but i think it gets the benefit of the doubt because of how good the other two are this is just yeah but i think you gotta look at it as a trilogy as he has it's like it's like it's a whole full Mm. circle don't just judge this as one movie this is the final part and he takes some liberties with it but you kind of can on a third film of a trilogy you have to kind of you want to finish the story and sometimes you have to take a few narrative liberties to get to the point to, to finish it, you know, and it's very rare as well that these things finish. Look at the MCU, mm. look at everything else. Spider-Man has been rebooted every time. You know, people Sprawling, want more more. Yeah. Uh, whereas Nolan and, and Christian Bale together and everyone else as well in the cast were like, no, we're done. We're not doing any more. <laughs> I don't know what else you want me to say without us ruining it. And I think that's, he, he took the only forward step that he could make to make one more, to finish the arc, but didn't step too far to make it. People then go, oh, he shouldn't have done that. You know, shouldn't have made a fourth yeah. film. Why do you need a fourth film? He, he's very smart and just said, no, no, I'm, I'm done. I think there's a lot of, there's, you know, some of the story elements you kind of think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Or, you know, yeah. I always hate <laughs> the device in movies where there's a ticking clock and the clock clearly isn't ticking. <laughs> in the same way as our clock is ticking, it's like, wait, it was four yeah, minutes, and now it's mean. three and a half minutes, but clearly at least five minutes of, of what's going on here. I get it, it's all dramatic, kind of, it's dramatic liberties to make an enthralling story, and it works, don't get me wrong, but there's a few other things in the movie, you just think, yeah, people, wouldn't. it's the fir- one of the first movies where I watched of his where I thought, some of your characters aren't making the choices that people would make. They're making yeah, kind no, of yeah. uh, choices in a superhero movie, which is fine because it's the third movie of a trilogy. I get that you have to try and do something, you know. Maybe have to have the formula in there a bit more than you have had before. I get, I get all of that stuff, but I still think it's great. I think Tom Hardy's great as Bane. Yeah, he I think is. Anne Hathaway yeah. is great as Bane. I think the 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 actual uh, star of the film is Gary Oldman. Uh, I think he's oh, incredible. Love it, love it. The other two movies, but I think The Dark Knight Rises really, it's kind of. Uh, Gordon's there's a lot of Gordon isn't his story, there's a lot of him in it, and he's dealing with a lot of other stuff as well, with you know, he's, the prefaces his wife and kids have left him and all that kind of stuff, and he's dealing with this horrible lie that's kind of consumed his his life. Because that's the thing, even though it's Batman's story and he's gone away for all this time. That's all the time that Gordon's been commissioner and it's he's had to do everything that Batman has stopped doing and still be consumed by all this guilt. You know, he's, he's driving yeah. himself absolutely mad because he wants to say something that knows he can't. But I think he's great in the movie. Bale's great, you know. Uh, the Gordon-Levitt stuff, yeah. Uh, oh, that's the I like,
0: it. I, think I like it's good. it. I think it's good. No, no,
1: <laughs> I think the character is just uh, a bit of a nothing character. And I, I still look at the film and I think, is he really needed? Is he really needed yeah. just for that? Bit at the end, the Robin bit, bit, and that was something you said you would never do, and you kind of snuck it in at the end. And I'm not sure. I like it. I'm not sure. It it is cheeky. (laughs) I I like the ending. I think the ending is great. I like the fact that in the full circle story, they say you know Batman. The whole point was that Batman can be anybody. Batman doesn't need. Batman's a symbol. It doesn't need to be Bruce Wayne. And I liked that it was going to be Gordon Levitt, but I didn't need him to be Robin. Just just let John Blake go and do the thing because he's. Um, the one guy that's seemingly, you know, incorruptible. But then he gives over his gives over the keys to the kingdom quite easily. I don't know. I don't know. It's a question yeah. for, for people. Um, I, and... I
0: quite like his development, but I know it's a source of contention yeah. uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah.
1: I also, one of the other things before I, I stop rambling is I was never a fan of Alfred leaving the movie so early. I understand why, but mm. it just feels flatter without Michael Caine at least in a power it again in this, yeah, yeah i feel like it's slightly flatter without him and he leaves obviously okay. about halfway through the film and the film is very long yeah. and then he appears again it's at the end good. and i just feel like the emotion the the ending where he's so emotional is it, i mean it's it's, it's uh, wonderfully played by michael Caine as it always so michael cain as it always is. i
0: think it's his best he's best as alfred in dark Knight oh, Rises for sure. compared to dark Knight, for it. sure he's given a lot more material to work with as well so. yes
1: yeah and uh but I just I just felt the movie misses him a lot when he's not there, even if he's just, you know, in, he's not in the movie the whole, in, in the, all the movies, the whole way through the movie, is he? But the way he pierces through the movie, I think, works to balance out Bruce Wayne. But obviously, it goes off on a different tangent. But that I never, never sat well with me. And then I would never sat well with the whole Miranda Tate, Talia stuff. But oh, yeah. I get it. I get it. It just, it didn't, I don't think the movie needed it. I thought Bane could have carried the movie for, it could have been the crux of the villain part of the movie if you like without adding talia like i get it but it's like mm, really and it was obviously signaled a mile off like you you know we knew before the movie had started that that's clearly who she was playing and you just think <laughs> no but uh but i love the movie and as a trilogy, you got to take it as a trilogy i think, and I think
0: yeah i completely agree uh, i think it's such an interesting one to talk about the down that rises because as you said it is flawed and it's messy and there are some story decisions which uh, uh, like a source of debate. But as as you said, it is still very, very good.
1: Very, very good. There's not a lot watch. of action cinema that can compete with the Dark Knight Rises, let alone no. the, the other two. So, uh, but yeah, there's just, I think it's because we got so, uh, we got so many good things from the one, the two before that we were- Yeah, always, you
0: become attached to the characters. Yeah, and you start picking yeah. at it a little
1: bit more, but I don't think it's, I think he always likes his films to be discussed in such a, in a way anyway. So negative, yeah. positive. I think he likes- he's very much a filmmaker that likes discuss there to be discussions, whether that's about what it all means or whether it's good <laughs> or not, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think he's very sincere about that. Isn't he? He's very much like, is, I yeah. want you to be objective as an audience, good or bad. You have a discussion.
0: Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it was a good place in Dana Rise. As I said, we were only one spot. Uh, only my one nine spot a out. Diff- yeah. Yeah. My number nine is insomnia. Um Well, which I feel that apart from following, because following just isn't very readily available, uh, in the UK, I think mm-hmm. like Insomnia is his most underappreciated and underseen work. Mm. Um, I think people kinda of forget he did it because it's I think is the word straight lace, it's his most like conventional film in a sense that It's not original, Uh, it's an adaptation of the 1997 Norwegian film, which I haven't actually seen. I do, I should go and see the original movie, because I think it'll be interesting to see how it compares and contrasts, but there's not a lot of, like, messing around with time, like, it's a bit different in terms of, like, his trademarks aren't there, but I just think Insomnia is just a fantastic thriller. It is so good, and I think it also features the best acting in Nolan films, because you've got that duo of Al Pacino, and Robin Williams and they just are like fire when everyone's are on screen together and a bit like what you mentioned earlier about Robin Williams playing the bad guy uh I haven't seen one hour photo uh yet I should Whoa. add it to the list oh now yeah so this is the only time I think I've seen Robin Williams play the bad guy and he is so good uh I mean Robin Williams is my one of my favorite actors Al Pacino actually I think Al Pacino is my favorite actor of all time now i recently watched the godfather trilogy for the first time because i'm still working on classic cinema at the moment so um and Al you this film is so tired like just thinking about his character dormer makes me feel drowsy because <laughs> he do you know what i mean he just has yeah, this yeah. presence in this movie that is just so done with this and exhausted and I just think it's just a solid thriller. I never know where it's going next. I think the villain's really interesting, the way they play mind games. and We have a lot of um, cop-villain relationships in these movies, but I think it is different in Insomnia. And the, film- um, the filmography, excuse me, the cinematography is just beautiful. And the way it uses the fog and the mist and the light, it's just, yeah, it's like an edge and your seat thriller. And it is a shame, I think, that it's not talked about more because it's great. Like I, um, my friend Cameron Frew, who was on the Batman Begins podcast, he hadn't seen Insomnia and I was like, you have to watch it. <laughs> and I got a text the other day that just said, holy shit, I've just seen Insomnia. Like how do I ironically sleep on that? <laughs> um, yeah, I said the best acting in, um, the acting's always good in Nolan's films, but the duo of Pacino and Williams. Also Hilary Swank, fantastic. I just think it's just such a, to watch and i watched it recently for the first time in years for this podcast i like forgot how good it is mm.
1: um
0: yeah so that's my number nine so uh, before you give your thoughts and then somebody i suppose what's your number eight i think we're on now
1: yeah number eight so my number eight is interstellar uh here we go because <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, is this a is this a is, is this a recurring theme that people don't yes. like Interstellar or something
0: yes uh, I, I, it's it's ex- two extremes i feel yeah i love interstellar or you're a bit like mm.
1: yeah i think interstellar <laughs> is his marmite film out of all of his films and i think maybe tenet will, will probably be the same because of what it's about yeah. and the, the kind of story he's trying to tell and everything else but i love interstellar i think it's amazing i there's just, I have a lot of issues with a lot of things in Interstellar, as a lot of people do. But the positives are that it's a fantastically made, it's a wonderful spectacle of a sci fi movie. I mean, the echoes of 2001, a movie that I absolutely love, are all over this movie. And, you know, there's so many movies. You look at something like Gravity, that's kind of technical achievements of that which is just astonishing with interstellar he did a lot of that stuff with like miniatures and like um like they built a lot of these things and the way it's shot makes it look gives it such a real dynamic that you can't this, the blur between as he does in all his movies the blur between the physical and the and the, the computer generated in interstellar is just incredible i mean some of the stuff that he does in this with his amazing amazing team is just Inc- just incredible, and it makes you want to go out to space yourself and experience yeah. all of these things. Um, I just, mm, mm. yes, yeah. I I understand love transcends time and space, but I'm not sure that makes does, does a good make does a good movie make it. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Uh, but I do enjoy Interstellar. I think it's great. I, I there's there's uh, also this. I think the sound design, which is uh, a a point of controversy and discussion at the moment with nolan's sound tenet. design and sound yeah. editing and and etc cetera, etc cetera. i think interstellar laid the found laid the foundations for that because i think that's an issue in this movie i found that an issue more in interstellar than i did in tenet because the score is very overbearing um mm. especially with the um what's the thing called um never drawn a blank what's the the organ the church organ that Hans Zimmer plays through the music yes like, I know what you mean yeah. really overbearing in some in some places and the dialogue gets lost a little bit uh so I have a problem with that and yeah the story doesn't quite I like the scientific stuff I'm not a huge fan of the other stuff I think it's a little bit of a stretch for me not that it makes a bad movie it's just some of it just doesn't quite sit with me you
0: mean when it gets to the last 30 minutes as well yeah yeah yeah
1: and then obviously it was again very similar to tenet and the same it's sure it's the same for everybody else when he gets to the black hole moment you're just like okay what now what's actually (laughs) happening wait he's yeah he can't but (laughs) no it can't be he can't be the ghost oh he's the oh he's the ghost oh okay (laughs) (laughs) all right all right all right i get it fair enough um but yeah i, I love Inter- uh, interstellar though i think there's some fantastic performance i think mcconaughey is the the height of the reconnaissance which they um, say it is yes <laughs> i wish it would happen again i wish there was a third i won't say third wave because that that might be inciting something that people never want to hear the words third and wave <laughs> together <laughs> i know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um I want a third, uh, I can't even say third spike, that's even worse. Um, the third reconnaissance to, to happen because I think this was the absolute pinnacle of that yeah. amazing run of form that he had. It's it make him sound like footballers. He's like, oh, he's had a great run of form. has <laughs> got five goals in five. Um, but that moment in his career is just, I mean, this was the, the, the crown and glory of that amazing run of movies that he had. Um, I think Anne Hathaway's good. Uh, I love Jessica Chastain. She's my favorite. Everyone knows this how obsessed I with, yeah, with that. With she's not great in this film. I mean, she's she's very good, but I'm not sure the adult Murph, well, the you know the young adult Murph, not the old adult Murph, um, is is quite as compelling a character as it is when it's Mackenzie Foy because she's younger. I think um, I love Michael Caine in the movie. He's not in it enough. It seems to be a theme. Mm. Like he's in his movies, but not enough. Um, oh, oh, always forget Timothy Chalamet's in this movie. Always forget yes. little Timothy Chalamet, DJ, Casey, Casey, old, Affleck Casey Affleck, and yeah. and uh, and Topher Grace, and and the brilliant John Lithgow, who everybody loves I love John <sighs> Lifko. across the board. fantastically Well, well, well done. Wes Bentley as well is in there. Goodness me, of course. But I think as a sci fi movie, it's amazing. As a uh, movie that's about family and love and the kind of collaboration between space and time and love and all of that stuff it doesn't quite work in places particularly in the third act i think it loses a lot of its um its energy when that happens i was more uh compelled by it when you know the earth was ending and they have to find a new home before it then becomes about this kind of singular story about this dad and his daughter and then not just that i think the relationship story is great it's just when it then becomes all about the stuff that i've just mentioned it's like i feel like you're shortchanging all the good stuff that happened at the beginning of the movie i feel like you're dampening that amazing relationship between a young you know um young kids having to deal with the fact that their father's leaving them and might not be coming back and it's not he's leaving them because he's fallen out of love with his wife or they're separating it's because he's going to do something that's bigger than they can possibly fathom and that's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking whether it's space or going to war all that kind of stuff that that is a heartbreaking thing to have to contemplate particularly at that age you know and i think that stuff's great but then when the stuff at the end happens you just i feel like it cheapens it and dampens it to a point where it doesn't feel as effective as it did at the beginning but i still love the movie i think it's great and as a technical exercise i think it's it's pretty flawless but story is is a bit lacking and i don't think i'm the only one as you've suggested <laughs> to say this uh, not just on your podcast i'm sure but across in the, in the world <laughs> across the globe yeah. <laughs> to say such things but it's not a bad movie it, it's it's a nolan movie it, it's never a bad film it's just one of the ones i have a few more problems with than, than others
0: mm. I've just got a question of Interstellar for you before, because I'll go into my thoughts on Interstellar, I think. Well, spoilers much later on in this oh, uh, podcast on. episode. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's interesting because Nolan's criticised for being such a cold, emotionless filmmaker. Yeah. But then people criticise Interstellar for being too sentimental. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about, about that, I suppose, in respect to Interstellar? Uh,
1: yeah, it, it's... It i think this is his most personal because he is a father himself isn't he he's got he's got three kids yeah. i think this is the one obviously he's, so. he's uh i think he's got three kids um i can't remember the names so i was just say magnus but i feel like that's one of will ferrell's kids <laughs> listen to me knowing hollywood kids and stuff it's only kids kids with, names. yeah it's only unless people... it's
0: like apple or peaches or whatever bizarre name some <laughs> celebrity it's called the kids it's just irrelevant
1: yeah it's irrelevant <laughs> i only know will Ferrell's kid's name because on graham norton he was said they were talking about him and what we were talking about going to soccer soccer games as dads and their celebrity dads and on the side he's shouting at his kid going magnus 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 and his kid goes what and then all hell's Blake lose because then they realize that it's will ferrell shouting at his kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um i love that i i've never found him to be a cold filmmaker at all I, this 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 is his most personal and i think it's uh, i i think it shows I think that's why he's probably too overly invested and overly emotional with Interstellar because it's a story that's very much his life. And maybe it touches on a fear maybe that he has of, of, yeah. of you know, him leaving his kids or his dad, you know, it's a very paternal thing, isn't it for, for, you know, in that, in that way. So I, I never found him to be a cold filmmaker. I understand why people would say that about him and say his films are quite sterile and the, you know, the characters are always, never as connected to to you know to the audience or to the film or to the story than they should be but i've I've never found that i have always found that he he is a very he's a director that cares about his characters and i i, I yeah especially in this one you know as you say mm. a lot of people said oh he's overly thing in this one it's like well he, of course yeah. of course he is he's a dad it's a story about him essentially in some ways you know or about as i say a fear of his of leaving his kids or his kids being not taken away from him but having to be separated for whatever yeah. reason of course he's going to be slightly more over sentimental because it's you know it's much more touching to him than a guy dressing up in a bat suit or a guy turning <laughs> yeah. back time or going to war all that kind of stuff you know I mean the war obviously Dunkirk is much more similar but yeah yeah, I've never I've never found him to be a cultural maker I think his, his balance of story and character and all the other hullabaloo that he has in his movies are all very well <laughs> balanced so I've never found that, but I, I see why people would say such thing. But I I disagree.
0: Yeah, I, I disagree too. I just think it's really interesting how people are like Nolan. You're so emotionless and cold. And then when he tries to do emotion in Interstellar, it's like you're too sentimental. It's like it's, you know you can't have it one way than the other. So it's um... but yeah, we'll go into my thoughts about Interstellar in a bit. <laughs> uh, my number eight is Tenet. Yeah. Um This is we're now at the point of my list where my like opinions would like my feelings probably would change every day if you asked me if uh because it starts getting like what's number seven could usually be number eight depending on my mood yeah uh, but number eight is tenant, i think i've seen it three times now um i wrote this list when after my first viewing and it has grown on me a lot uh with each viewing i think like you i just was completely stunned by it the first time like mm. the action the performances the story like time inversion temporal pincer movements everything going on I was like whoa um, and I was a bit confused by it. especially in the last act it got a little bit messy so when I went in a second time I was like okay let's try and like proper concentrate now that I know how impressive the action et cetera, is I can properly concentrate on the premise mm. uh, and clear up those confusions and I came out the second time i was like right this is i actually think it's a bit of a masterpiece now um but it is only a masterpiece on a second viewing which is why it's still ranked at number eight because should a film like need two viewings to completely get it Mm -hmm. Uh, um that's a that's a good question i think um and then i saw a third time i think because i now fully understood the story and i could like fully enjoy it the third time (laughs) So I would say it's a free time viewing movie <laughs> in, in that respect. But I just, i talked about Tenet so much in this podcast now. I'm just going to keep it brief. I would just think <laughs> it's, it's his most ambitious project today. It's so complex and like, it's just, it's just so fascinating, but I really like it that they say, don't try to understand it. Just feel it. Like just go with the flow and just go with the action and you will be taken on a ride. Um, it's not got as much heart as personally I like from Christopher Nolan films. I do like the Elizabeth DeBecky storyline with her son, but it's not as touching. Like, I don't think I have a... I don't cry during Tenet, and I like to cry at movies. I like there to be an emotional spark that leaves me in tears. But I was still shaking just by the pure action. It's it's his love of Bond is out in full force. Um, and I really like James Bond movies. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's another reason why I like Tenet so much. But I just, we're going to keep it spoiler free for people who have not seen it yet, but my mind still boggles at how on earth they pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> like how, like I can't even begin to think about how someone writes that and then films that. And yeah, which will become clear when people see it, but I just, speechless. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's number eight because I still, yeah, I don't think a movie should have to have two or three viewings to fully understand it. Um does lack a bit of emotion um, compared to some others, but I still think it's a it's a bit of a masterpiece. Not a full blown masterpiece, a bit of a masterpiece. Um, Michael Caine again not in it enough, which as you said is a common theme. Um, my boyfriend jokes that Michael Caine just turned up to get his lunch. <laughs> <was just> like, <laughs> let's shoot, let's shoot a scene, Michael. You know, he even plays a guy called Sir Michael. Just so it's is Michael Caine a sir? He is a sir, yeah. He is a set. He say. He's Sir Michael Caine,
1: yeah.
0: It, sir Michael Caine playing Sir Michael Crosby. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, that's, I think that's just a bit of fun. I also think Tenet has some really good quips and humour in it, which, again, people say, you Nolan's know, very robotic when it comes to comedy. Yeah. But I think because John David Washington is so good as a protagonist and he's so, like, cool, calm, collected, you know, like, quite alluring. Like, when he's like, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. Like it just that comedy, I think just feels natural to the character, mm. um. So I do, I do think it's quite funny. But yes, number eight for me is Tennant. Um, a good spot I think for uh, for the film. But I agree with you, it's Marmite. Uh, yeah. when the when the reviews came out, obviously we saw it before the embargo, so I already knew how people felt like were feeling about it. Um, like a range from like two star to five star. I think The Guardian did two reviews, and one was two star. And one was five stars yeah uh, literally like direct opposites so it's been interesting seeing general audience reaction too because i think again it seems to be very marmite yeah um, for sure okay so num- what's your number seven uh
1: so number seven on scott's chris vernon's list is dunkirk oh okay now it's number seven because i have only seen it twice um and again, it's because I have such an affinity for the other films, and I've seen them multiple yeah. times. So that that's why it was number seven. I think it is again; it is a absolute masterpiece. Um, you know, we get so many war films, rightly so, because it's are A very sad and very challenging moment in history, or moments in mm. history over the over the years, particularly in in modern modern times, and obviously the wars back in the day. Um, but I've never seen one that's been told like this before and been told so differently, but with such precision and with such, um, kind of uniqueness as this, you know, uh, uh, taking three story strands and putting them together to show you the war, the effect of the war, how it affected the men on the battlefield, how it affected the decisions that the country made, how it affected, um, the the families of people that have been lost all of those things you get from a war film but you don't get them quite like this and it's is this his shortest film as well one of his shortest films as well i, I think, think it is quite,
0: his, well, except for following it's except for following shortest. it's
1: quite a lean mm-hmm. film but i think that just showcases again his talent to make a war film which are usually quite long considering if you look at some of the classic war films that have been made there some of them are quite long because of the amount yeah. of story and the amount of scope that they're they're trying to get into a two two and a half hour three hour film for him to take a war film tell it in the way that he does in the time that he does and still have it be as compelling and as um thrilling but as thoughtful as his other films i think is quite an achievement um it's 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 a really unique very interesting way of telling this particular story because like he's done a lot of his movies and we talked about Dark Knight Rises about the concurrent storylines you know he has two or three storylines going on all at the same time but yeah he cuts back between them but you never feel like any of them are being left behind they're all at the same pace if you like obviously they're at the same time but sometimes you know when you do those things one story is just like throw away so like, it doesn't matter about that one we just care about these ones but you with Dunkirk you're all you, you care about every single person and you're not yeah. lost in the way he's trying to tell it. It's just a very, very unique way of of, of telling the story. And actually, it, it, for the for the moment in time that it's presenting Dunkirk, which is a very specific part of the war, is really, really impressive. Um, and some of the stuff he does, I remember listening to. You ever listened to that? Is it what's it called? The Rewatchables? Is it the Rewatchables podcast? Rewatchables. No, I think so. No, I can't. No. I can't if that's the actual name of it. Anyway, I was watching one <laughs> recently because Tarantino was on it. And he oh, was doing his cool. top 2010 films. And he was saying how he was, uh, Dunkirk was now a masterpiece and had gone from number eight mm-hmm. or seven on his list up to number two after he watched it for the third time. Uh, and he was just saying, how, how do you do that? I can't do that. How do you do it you know, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff? And he said, um, the great thing with Nolan, is that not only does he make these films, he makes these films for a big studio in the same way that Stanley Kubrick used to make movies for Warner Brothers in the 60s and 70s and 80s, in that he just goes, I want to make this film, and the studio goes, okay. Yeah.
0: There's not many filmmakers that can do
1: that. You know, maybe Spielberg is another one, you know, I would say, because of his cachet in the film industry, but even even then he probably has to maybe... Yeah, even James Cameron's had a
0: tough time of avatars,
1: so... yeah. The james very cameron. tough time We're yeah guitars, i guess the actually. only difference to james cameron is he goes yes oh yeah these movies are good yeah it'll cost you 870 million dollars <laughs> please give me this your money very, this is very <laughs> true give me your money please um and uh and
0: yeah even marzo casey had to go to netflix for, to for the, Irish the Irishman, didn't he? Big, yeah.
1: what, another one i was about to say because i wrote on my list the movie that he <gasps> wanted to make they say i'm not giving you that much money for that kind of film it's like but it's me and de niro and Pacino. what I I know. I know. You don't, you don't cost 200 million dollars oh because the other stuff does anyway um whereas warner brothers just go okay he has such a he has so much currency at that studio that he could make anything he wanted he could he could say something i want to film a man in a chair for two hours that's it but it'll cost you 170 million dollars okay it's fine it's fine you do what you want to do anyway dunkirk um yeah it's a it's an amazing achievement and uh, it's a beautiful film as well i mean the score Mm. the cinematography the production design the you know the locations that they shot because i'm pretty sure they shot the real location in the most part shot in the real locations um has an amazing cast again you know he has all these young actors you know he took a bit of a risk with some of these because he cast i remember when the announcement came out that he'd cast harry styles Styles. and everyone was like excuse me
0: who literally just got cast in his second movie. Got
1: cast in his yeah, second movie, replacing Shia LaBeouf, which is just mad in my yeah. opinion. But anyway.
0: Opposite uh, Florence Pugh. <laughs> yeah. Do you like Harry Styles in Dunkirk? I know it's not about the acting, but do you think he he, he, he was good? never as
1: annoying as I thought he was going to be. But then he's in it so sporadically that it's it doesn't quite um he doesn't quite yeah he doesn't annoy in the way that I thought he would but he's in that he's, he's quite you know the end bit where they're in the they're in the train aren't they going back on to, the train yeah he performs that yeah. pretty well for someone without much yeah. experience in films um yeah replacing Shia Booth with him though is a little bit yeah but... I feel
0: like yesterday was like uh <laughs> this is tell you what time recorded this was the news that he replaced Shia LaBeouf but also about TikTok star Addison Ray is doing a remake of she's all that i think yeah
1: yeah and i what was a, like what, world? what we, a world we live in a yeah, basically we live in a very strange timeline <laughs> yeah 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 uh just waiting for the announcement of uh, i don't know some some kid youtube star being cast as spider-man or something or whatever or yeah know, something like that something weird um yeah my that was my thing i love it. olivia wilde Prove me wrong i love you olivia wilde i think you're great but replacing Charlotte replace Charlotte with all these actors no no i want the guy from one direction okay see yeah, how that goes anyway he's not bad in the movie yes. um and then some of the younger guys in there are fantastic as well but then you get killian murphy mark rylance kenneth kenneth brenner michael kane again mm. yes he is in there he's the voice His in voice. Tom Hardy's head and tom hardy wearing a mask again which is hilarious but uh yeah and i think the the last 10 minutes when the piece of music plays that's by um oh, i can't remember the composer's name but it's not han zimmer it is um, oh
0: god what is his name
1: it's on my uh, uh it is uh edward elgar just there we go. uh that bit of music plays that last sort of 10 15 minutes is so wonderfully done and so kind of compassionate to what's just happened and all the people that we lost in those uh mm. strange years back in the day all of that encompassed into what is essentially like a a real-time thriller it's like 24 only a war movie but told in a way that's so uh compassionate and forthcoming hello yes hello cat yeah. i'm talking <laughs> 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 and uh they just
0: wanted to let you let you know that they like dunkirk, you they like like dunkirk as well
1: yeah yeah you watched it a couple of times good and um <laughs> yeah all of that stuff i think is, is amazing and uh you know it's a very unique war film but i think it's an important war film and tells an important story and uh, he does it in the only way he can which is to do it in a nolan in a nolan verse if you like but it's done in such a way that um yeah it's just it's just memorable and it's also as I like because it's so short you want to go back and watch it straight away again you don't want you don't yeah. need to have the time like with tenet or something where you have to go away and think about she it you, you just Go it, straight yeah. back into it and all of the emotions and the, the kind of madness of that you know that's another thing he does great with it the, the kind of you know in those situations in the war you know we may experience them we may not i don't know it's a strange world we live in but that mm. experience of those men and how unique it is in terms of the kind of that space that they're in for that short short time or long time ever long they you know survived back in back in the in the war he managed to capture it in such a, a way it's like a, almost like a thriller but it's not a thriller it's like real life and it's uh, yeah I think all of it is just it's just brilliant. Um, but yeah, number seven. I mean, top one to six yeah. must be there. Must be pretty good if they <laughs> they're going to be like <laughs> Kirk. Let's be honest. So uh, I think it's fantastic, and uh, yeah, I think it's an amazing achievement.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk about John Kirk soon. Oh. My number seven, I think, is the most controversial in on my list. Uh, the Prestige. Um, wow. So I loved. I think The Prestige is a five-star, fantastic movie. Uh, I didn't realise, in fact, I was reflecting early on what I've learned on this podcast and I didn't realise how much people love the Prestige. I mean, obviously we haven't got to your placement of it yet, yep. but I imagine obviously it's higher than my place Um Like, it's my boyfriend's favourite Nolan film but I just presume that's because he really likes magic.
1: <laughs> oh, okay,
0: <Yep. laughs> Rather than actually, like, loads of people really, really like prestige. I, Prestige. I do think it's brilliant. I think it's... It's really, like, he, again, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale as these, like, rival magicians who just... He, he wanting to dig the knife in deeper. I just think it's such an interesting analysis of the theme of obsession and a really, really intoxicating relationship. And I would say his darkest movie yet. Like, we're not going to spoil it, but, but the twist at the end, like, bloody hell. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I first saw the Prestige I didn't really know much about it except for it's Christopher Nolan and Magicians and Hugh Jackman and I was like please sign me up um, and I remember seeing it and I haven't actually seen it in cinema I think it would be a really nice one to see in the cinema because it is so beautiful mm. like the use of light and obviously because we've got Tesla there so there's a lot of electricity and light use and you know um, it's, I imagine, it's very beautiful to look at so I think it would be great in the cinema but I didn't, like, I didn't know anything really about the story and it just, like, yeah, it t- takes you on a ride and it wouldn't be the film it was without that relationship, obviously, between Andrew and Borden. And I think, again, it wouldn't be the film it was without those two fantastic central performances. But it's not as good, I think, as the other works. I think it's sort of just standalone because um, it's not as in-your-face um as like the likes of dunkirk or tenet but i really like how it's it feels very old school for nolan um and in fact if like i'd like christopher nolan next to do a film like the prestige mm. something which feels a bit more traditional and a bit more not i'm not going to call it old-fashioned but like kind of like a period piece i suppose but obviously bring his twist to it i think uh, obviously it gets extra points for casting david bowie as tesla I know some people don't like that, but I really like it. Michael Caine, again, it's not in it enough. <laughs> um, I just think it's completely enthralling. My jaw dropped at the unexpected twist. So many twists, though. It. It's just its just a really good story, but it doesn't impress me as much as his other work does. But I totally get why it's other people's favourite Christopher Nolan film. So that's my thoughts of Prestige. <laughs> and that's why it's at number seven. So... Uh, we'll go on to number six for you now.
1: Number six. So number six on my list is one you've already mentioned, which is Insomnia. Oh, it's such a good film. Uh, a good I, film. Uh, yeah, I love, I love Insomnia. It is a fantastic film. And I think I have a lot of affection for it. And it probably would have been higher had he not done the amazing things that he's done um, because it was the second film of his that I'd seen. And I remember seeing it quite a few times. I was obsessed with the, the idea of Robin Williams playing a bad guy. I'd seen one hour photo and just thought, crikey. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so I, I, as I said, I, I still need to see one hour photo. It's, it's on uh, one list. hour
1: photo is incredible. He is incredible. Uh, in that movie. Um, I wish he was still with us now. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, it's very very sad. Uh, but yes, it, in, insomnia. I th- it, the the lure of seeing Williams play a bad guy, play a pretty nasty, very very
0: very nasty, yeah.
1: deplorable human being who is very good at manipulating those around him, uh, was uh, too good an offer to turn down to go and see. And he's incredible in the movie. And you mentioned Al Pacino, who is just yeah, he's one of the yeah, he's one of the yeah. best, isn't he? He's he's in my top five favorite actors of all time he's not yeah, my number no, not my number one like you but he's he is quite close <laughs> um,
0: Al you and gary oldman switch for my number one spot
1: obviously both oh, gary uh, Alban, uh, nolan, yeah.
0: nolan, nolan veterans so
1: yeah gary oldman yeah.
0: i don't know if he's in me he, would he be in my top 10
1: there's another discussion Ooh. for another day um <laughs> he wouldn't be number one number one is pretty don't think number one would ever change um is that he's number
0: one quickly which is his is it carrie
1: no, like because Carey? I like Jim Carrey, but he's—I tend to have him in my head as a not a comedian, but he's a—you know—he's done comedies, isn't he's he? He's a comedy as actor. Yeah. In terms of acting, serious acting, he is pretty high. But yeah, he's my—he's my—he's one of my two heroes. So he—he he can just be in the hero category, not the acting category, if you like. Uh, number one for me, it was it was is and always will be Jack Nicholson.
0: Of course, yeah. Always,
1: always. I'd he like to see him be pop beat. up in
0: a Nolan film. That would,
1: uh... yeah, yeah, he would, he would be good in a Nolan movie, wouldn't he? Him and Michael Caine together, it. yeah, let's put Aww. them together and do something. I think they made a movie before in the nineties together. Anyway, did they? Um, oh,
0: this is a tangent. Let's go back yeah, to
1: tangent. But uh, Insomnia. yeah, Insomnia. So it's a movie that, and also like you mentioned it as well about how it's kind of very un-Nolan And it is because he didn't mm. write it, he didn't co-write it, he didn't produce it. I don't think, if memory serves, I think he just did it as a director. Yeah, and I so... think Warner
0: was just tasked him with it. Was like, "Can you just yeah. adapt this for us?" So he was like, "Sure."
1: <laughs> yeah, I think after Memento, he probably got a lot of offers to do various different things. You know, he could have. I'm sure at that time he would put, there was probably some, maybe not in the same way as it is now, but someone probably went, "Do you want to make a big movie?" And he probably went, "Not right now." And probably got yeah. a lot of scripts. But this is a fantastic one because the original is really, really good, and it's one of those movies that you just think doesn't need an American remake unless it's made. By someone who could give it something mm. different, and that's what Nolan does. I mean, there's some in the first couple of minutes, you see that amazing shot of the heli uh, the little plane carrying dormer and his partner over those glaciers over you know where they're going to, mm. it's just incredible. And is then uh, the ripple effect into Batman begins, where there's similar things in that, and there's similar things in Interstellar with these. He's got an obsession with like wintry places, isn't he? He's a bit mad, <laughs> cold, <laughs> um, the cold, yeah. Yeah, he likes the cold, I like he likes the cold, but it's a, it's a very standard thriller in many ways, but it's very Nolan because it deals with everything that we've discussed already, that that's probably what drew him to him. You know, these disturbed, emotionally disturbed people who are obsessive, who are very ambiguous, who yeah. are, are driven by jealousy and guilt. And um, they're, they're, they're detached from society in some ways, you know, they're lonely figures who are only really living and breathing right at this moment because it's, they have, it's only those two in some respects you know in their world Pacino's character is obviously coming off of this investigation where Williams's character has obviously you know done this heinous heinous crime but in their worlds it's kind of kind of they kind of drawn together don't they 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 kind of match and there's mm. a great scene they have on the boat together where they just almost uh, the other and they're the yeah opposite sides of the same coin in some in some ways <laughs> um and I think that's really really uh Lots of things that he loves to talk about. I think he does it really well in Insomnia. It's an amazing cast. I mean, Hilary Swank's in this, you know. Uh, yeah. Martin Donovan as well. There's a few sort of yeah, Nolan. Yeah, up
0: in Tenet as well.
1: Yeah, a few Nolan uh, links there. He hasn't had Pacino back, has he? He needs to get uh, Pacino. Yeah, yeah, he needs, he needs
0: to, get to get Pacino back in. He
1: needs to get Pacino back in there somewhere. Mm.
0: Have you seen the original, sorry, quickly? Have you I seen... have, yeah. Yeah, I have how seen does it long, it, How does it compare? It's
1: uh, It's similar. Because I haven't seen you... it there's enough difference in it. You can tell it's a Nolan film and it's not a, just a, re- yeah. a, a kind of a plain remake. If you like, there's a lot more to it, if you like, or a, a lot more to it makes it sound that the original is not very good. It is very, very good. I think there's a, there's a, there, it has it's a uniqueness beta. to it. Yeah, yeah. They have a uniqueness, to, a very unique Nolan-ness to it. Um, probably more so now than it did back then. Cause obviously he wasn't as well known, I guess, at that stage in his career. But when you look back now, you just think, oh yeah, this is definitely a Christopher Nolan film. Um, but there's lots of stuff in there and again he you know all these obsession with humanity and why we're here and and time i mean time is very different in insomnia but it dealt with like he always has too much time because he's not sleeping you know and his, <laughs> yeah. his day-to-day uh kind of framework of his life is kind of uh really kind of um disrupted because he can't, he can't sleep for love for money <laughs> but again that deals with his time he looks at his clock all the time you know he's always looking at how much time has passed and everything kind of slows down. It's the opposite is not that time slows down for dormer particularly yeah. because he just can't shake the almost like he's like, it's almost like he's in an emotional prison in some ways because he can't shake, not sleeping. And so he's kind of detached from everybody else because everyone else is sleeping normally. And he's the one that's, <laughs> he's the one that can't sleep, but he's the one that has to be the one to solve and be sort of on the ball 24 seven. Cause he's the one that's going to solve the mystery. It's, it's very, very strange, but, uh, it is a very straight thriller, but it's very yeah. Nolan-esque, and I think it's one of the best thrillers. It's up there with, say, Seven, uh, Zodiac, few, Zodiac, yeah. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. It's all Fincher, but <laughs> a few of the best. Fincher thrillers is of the, last, the king of thrillers, though, yeah, of the last twenty and, years. And Nolan, put, I suppose, with Insomnia. Yeah, I'd put this up in the top sort of ten thrillers of the last. Twenty yeah. years easily, I think it's just incredible, and not a lot, not as many people have seen it, and it's unavailable in the UK oh. on. It's never been released on Blu-ray in this country, which is no, just. You
0: get it on DVD, but it's not incredible. any streaming services. That's no, why I said I think it's his most underseen and therefore underappreciated work, and I think yeah. people do kind of forget about it. So I'm loving this insomnia representation from you, Scott. I
1: have yeah, to say. absolutely. It's also not in the box set. There's a box set we sell at work of his stuff, and because it's not, I guess, because it's maybe, but well, it is Warner Brothers, but. Yeah, it's not in the box. And You just think, insomnia. If it wasn't Nolan, it's like it's Al Pacino, Robin Williams. It should be in a. It should be available somewhere. Oscar winner, two-time Oscar winner, Hal Swank. Yeah. So uh, well, yeah, number six is that number six? Number I'm six, glad yeah. Glad it's number insomnia. six because I yeah. feel
0: bad that it's. I think did I say it was number nine for me? Yeah. Because I I really think it. I think actually out yeah, all of them, if I was like, if you're a Christopher Nolan fan, you've not seen Insomnia, watch it now because <laughs> it is just so good. And Jubber earlier I said, I'd like to see him do like a prestige kind of film next. I think yeah. either I'd like to see him do that or go back to like a, 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 a detective thriller, yeah. like Insomnia with yeah, like sure. really powerhouse central performances and obviously throw a bit of time stuff in there, knowing because we know what he like. But <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so my number six is dunkirk um i think i think i'm I'm just gonna keep it brief because you nailed it in your description earlier dunkirk is just a really solid war movie but it's not a war movie it's a survival movie Mm. and my favorite thing about dunkirk is how because these soldiers are like kind of like the everyman i suppose like we don't really know much about them you are kind of placed in the middle of that battle and it's such a sensory experience um with the sound design, the score, like visually, like I, I remember I skipped my graduation party. So I graduated, had my ceremony, uh, and then I went to see Dunkirk on opening day (laughs) with my family because I needed to see it ASAP. Um, So I went with like my family to go see it because it's a Nolan film, you know, and I remember seeing it at the IMAX. It's just incredible. Like it just makes you really feel like every bullet and, i really hate it when they go underwater because i feel like i'm underwater and i can't breathe because it it does sort of place you as those characters um and the acting as it is very good Um, and the way it tackles the story from three perspectives on three different timelines is so clever but it's just really as clever it's a different way of telling the story and it also captures the desperation of all involved and every Mm. perspective off that one event uh Barry Keon, uh, for me, is a standout from the film. When his... Uh, this is gonna be a spoiler, but, you know, his his character arc, very sad. That really makes me cry. Um, and at the end as well, um, with Harry Styles, his character, and he thinks he, they're not heroes. And they aren't heroes, I suppose. But also, like, he doesn't recognise, like, I suppose what they've been through as well, emotionally. I think it's really yeah. interesting. Um, There's also... This is... A tangent i suppose it's also really interesting watching it post brexit um uh, because i think i've seen it since the whole brexit things kicked off <laughs> um it was really interesting watching it like looking at the relationships with the french soldiers and uh, you know like how kind of sort of stays behind for the french at the end like that was really nice and stuff i hadn't really thought about and i also like that it, it doesn't feel patriotic at all because it's just like these men like war is bad you put these men in a horrific situation and now they've got to survive it's, yeah. it's a survival movie not a war movie and because i really like the war genre but i also don't like the patriotism often involved um with those movies so i really like that this film isn't patriotic at all um also when i uh my old job at UniLad, i interviewed some um army like represent like soldiers and Uh, for dunkirk piece and it was really interesting getting their perspective on the experience and even i didn't manage to speak to any veterans themselves i managed to speak to like you know the representatives of the charities and stuff and every single person i spoke to was like they really liked dunkirk for in terms of like how real it is like the realism and the representation so Mm. i that also that also earns it bonus points but it's at number six which i think middle of the list is a good place to Dunkirk because I feel now we're really getting into like top tier Nolan I'd call it.
1: Yes we are. Top tier
0: Nolan. So there's uh, (laughs) Dunkirk. That was me and Scott Davis for part one of the last episode of the series. Next week's will be the conclusion as we compare our list of the top five Christopher Nolan movies. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter at You, and feel free to get in touch too with any feedback. See you next time.